Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the AF Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson. I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And as always, we're going to be your hosts for this episode of the AF Geeks podcast. Now, for this week, we have a pretty interesting topic for you guys. It is the Concorde and other commercial supersonic aircraft. Um, so as you may know, it was, it was one of the only supersonic aircraft of its time. It was a very cool looking aircraft, but you don't actually see them nowadays. They, they got retired quite a long time ago. They, they were actually retired before any of us were born. So they're a very old aircraft. Mm-hmm. And it was also the first aircraft that was uh, actually given the title as the first supersonic uh I think it was the first supersonic pass. Yeah, the first supersonic commercial airplane. Yeah, um, it was actually one of the only. Um, but we're gonna just briefly talk about it, give a little introduction to the Concorde, so you guys aren't going into this um, completely blind. Uh, sorry, my my speech just got really weird there. Um, but here we go. So it made the first transatlantic crossing on the sixth, or sorry, the twenty sixth of September, nineteen seventy three which is almost 40 years ago. Or sorry, that's almost 50 years ago now. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy to think about that back then yeah, about that. they had faster aircraft. For sure. But there's always, there's always a reason why back then there was something and not today. So. Exactly. And a little later on, we are going to be getting into um, why you don't see Concords anymore and why you don't um, really see supersonic aircraft. So it held the record for flying between London and New York in only three hours. To put that into perspective, uh, a few episodes ago, we were talking about um, Zeppelins, and we said that a commercial aircraft nowadays flies the Atlantic from uh, seven to eight-ish hours. So it more than cut the time in half, which is very impressive, especially for 1973. And may I, add, may I add, it was a smaller aircraft. So obviously it depends, but like if it's less weight, it could obviously, if we had the engine power, it could go uh, much faster, but it could only hold a hundred passengers compared to other passenger planes. That's quite small today, but it's pretty good for like the speed across the Atlantic. Yeah, for sure. Three hours. That is, that is actually less time than it takes today to fly from Toronto to Calgary, which is crazy to think about. It took less time to fly across the ocean than to the other side of Canada or the midway well, point of Canada. Canada is pretty big, but <laughs> I know, but it's not like ocean sized. Um, all right. So an interesting fact about this aircraft was that it was only flown by Air France and British Airways. So it was developed by the British and the French governments in a joint project. So it was actually built by Airbus, which is, or not Airbus, but would become Airbus. So later on in its later years, it was built by Airbus, but early on it was built by um, two smaller companies. We had this conversation a couple episodes ago, Boeing versus Airbus. Actually, that was one of our third episodes. And, uh, yeah, Europe just joined together and made Airbus, but... Yeah, so Airbus was a big combination of a lot of smaller companies in Europe. So um, it, it pretty much was built by Airbus. We can say that it was built by Airbus because it was built by all the companies that become Airbus. Um, so right. it had its final flight on October the 24th, 2003, which was oof, 18 years ago now. That was a long time ago. 
it had honestly people say it was a like a lot of people i've heard like people say it's a failure and stuff it had a 30-year run like that's not that's not awful i mean that's that's pretty good yeah that's not uh that's not a small run as isn't that around the same time as the same amount of time as 747 is served um well the 747 it came in in the 70s and they're still flying a lot of airlines are still flying it today or they just recently retired so i would say that they maybe got an extra 20 or so years out of the 747 than they did the concord well the president enjoys flying in that plane so yeah yeah and we understand why it's a great aircraft um All right, well, let's talk now a little bit about why we don't see the Concorde. Um, First of all, let's address the elephant in the room. It had a massive crash on um, the 25th of July, 2000. And this crash, it killed all of the passengers on board and all of the crew members. It was a very devastating accident. For sure. Uh, Yeah, this Concorde Um, was on route. Sorry. Uh, wasn't it um, 107 passengers and crew and four and four ground crew? Wasn't it? No, it was here. Well, the Concorde was en route from Paris to New York City, so obviously one of the routes that it right. had. And all 109 person on board, so that was 100 passengers and nine crew members, and uh, also four of the ground crew were killed. So that's that's okay. not a small number. That's quite large. <laughs> Yeah, as I said. And uh, it was also very... Sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. It was also very... It was... Um, it, it, its fuel efficiency was very poor because obviously it was, it was a supersonic plane. So uh, that that was obviously a right. big factor. Fuel is not cheap in the airline field. Um, that is true. That That is very true. It had a lot of fuel on board and the fuel was not cheap for that aircraft. Um, which leads me into the next point. It had horrible fuel efficiency. Um, oh, sorry, you guys just talked about that. Sorry, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was a little bit distracted with something else, but yeah, it did have awful fuel efficiency. I mean, three hours across the Atlantic, sure, that's fast, but that uses up a massive amount of fuel. Um, For sure. And 9 11 right. led to the higher fuel prices and lower passenger numbers because obviously, when an attack like that happens, it's it's scary to fly like that could have happened to anyone and it happened to hundreds of people that were on those airplanes and thousands on the ground so it well yeah and it, I, it I, think that, I think that it's important to note that we should be thankful that those were not concords because the concords they're also harder to detect because they go faster so uh, there might have been more attacks if they had been using the concord um so I think it is lucky that they weren't on Concorde aircraft, especially considering they also carry a lot more fuel. As we just said, they need a lot of fuel. They would have been a lot more full of fuel. Um, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, yeah, and the, the fuel prices, they did skyrocket after 9-11 because um, people were reluctant to sell fuel to airlines because um, – uh, the massive amount of fuel, it was a big factor in um, the devastating attacks on the World Trade Center. They knew that those aircraft were full of fuel and they specifically picked them. And so after that, it was very hard to sell a massive amount of fuel to an airline. For sure. And obviously the routes that uh, that like 
that happened on the terrorist attack weren't for small, like small uh, distances. They were going to like across the country and stuff. And of course that needs a lot of fuel. So obviously when you do an attack like that, it's not, obviously your fuel is going to blow. It's, it's flammable. Yeah. And then, um, as we said, there are fewer passengers flying. It's, um, it's a lot like today where, uh, due to the pandemic, there's not many people flying. It's because they were scared. They were worried if we get on a plane, Hey, it might not be safe. I mean, we might be hijacked. It's like now where you think, Hey, uh, these people on the plane with me, they might be sick. Um, so there was very little reason to fly a very expensive plane when very, very few people were actually trying to fly. For sure. And nowadays we have much more uh, efficient fuel, like fuel efficient aircraft, such as the seven, uh, the triple seven, the seven, eight, seven, uh, the A330 and the A350. Yeah. So um, these aircraft are right. all Not very too- recent. They're in the um, last two decades, maybe three decades at most. Um, but mainly what airlines want nowadays is, um, is a very fuel efficient plane that can cut costs rather than one that can speed across the ocean. For sure. That's more money per passenger. So why not? Yeah. And it is more passengers too, because the Concorde couldn't carry that many passengers. So it makes so much more sense to, um, have more passengers, but you pay less, uh, per passenger. it makes so much more sense. There's so much more profit involved. Um, now, let's quickly talk right, about... Right, not to mention the fact that... Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I'm not to mention the fact... Okay, I must have a slight delay there. Um, Not to mention the fact that the Concorde, since it was going at supersonic speeds, it generated a sonic boom, Men- yeah. meaning that... Anything that would be underneath it while it's flying, that would be very, it would trigger a very large ex- explosion like sound. And it was so loud that several countries straight up banned it from flying in their airspace. I exactly. won't blame them. Well, and that's actually yeah. why you see, um, you don't really see Concords flying across big bodies of land. You see it across uh, big bodies of water because they weren't actually allowed to go above uh, the speed of sound when they were close to land because it would hurt someone's ears. So they'd have to wait till they were out over the ocean to do it. Now, if you have a supersonic aircraft that has to wait until it's allowed to go supersonic, that's also, that's going to waste a lot of fuel. It's going to really slow you down and cause delays. Um, I think it is also important to note though, that um, Boeing, they're actually creating a competitor to this aircraft in the early 2000s. It was going to be called something like the uh, maybe Super Cruiser, Supersonic Cruiser, something like that. Um, but then after 9-11, they completely scrapped that idea. And it's very easy to see why. Most people didn't want um, to fly very fast. They wanted to fly very safely and very efficiently. For sure. And air travel has changed immensely. And uh the reason why, like leading into our next part, uh, why we will never see the rise of commercial supersonic flights again, uh, or will we, is because many flights nowadays are either for like business trips or air travel is different than what it used to be. It didn't used to, many people don't fly across the world anymore. Well, they do, but it's not like it used to be. And having a supersonic flight, it, it has to be spe- specified to certain routes, not just across the country because you don't need a supersonic plane for that and it breaks the law. So that's 
Yeah. And um, I think another important thing was um, when you're talking about um, business trips and uh, businessmen, uh, you have to talk about the way modern flights are scheduled. So if you've ever flown um, from the eastern coast of the United States or Canada, you will know that if you're flying to Europe, most of the flights, they either leave uh, late in the afternoon or in the evening. That's so that you can fly overnight and then you get there in the morning. Now, there are a few stragglers that go there during the morning, like you can leave during the morning and fly there the whole day, but I have no clue why you'd want to do that. If I can add, uh, two years ago, I took a trip to Egypt, which, which is uh, during the summer, a six-hour difference, and during the winter, a seven-hour difference. And we would leave like one in the morning in Egypt just because when, by the time we fly back, we just sleep on the plane. And by the time we're home, it's, we're in Canada and it's bright and early in the morning. It was actually like eight o'clock in the morning when we're out of the airport. So you just caught up on your sleep. You don't feel the effect of jet lag and you're just fresh off the plane. And it's an easy day to start uh, right after your trip. Yeah, exactly. And it's same going to Europe. If you leave here in the evening and you land in, say, uh, London or Paris, um, if you get there in the morning or even in the afternoon, it's way better than getting there at night after flying for the whole day, which is pretty much what the Concorde would do. It would um, it'd be three hours out of your life, whereas the modern flights today, it's not really taking time away from you. It's not inconveniencing you because you'd have to sleep anyway. So you might as well sleep while you're on route. Um, it's also important to notice that a lot of planes nowadays, they have um, really comfortable seats or some of them do like um, business class economy, um, economy plus or like premium economy and uh, first class. They all have very nice seats. Some of them can even fold back all the way into beds. So if you had a seat like that, it'd be very easy to, uh, to get a good night's sleep. The Concorde didn't have that. It was a fully economy aircraft. So there was, it was practically impossible to sleep on it. Uh, it's also important to notice that this is going to sound hard to believe, but the economy seats on the Concorde were smaller. I, I know that the seats today might seem really cramped together, but believe it or not, they were smaller at some point. And again, if you take stuff into account, if you're flying from London to New York in three hours compared to eight hours, I might sacrifice a smaller seat. It's, it's, it's just people's preferences, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, though I do find it is easier to sleep on the, um, on the economy seats than it would be if I was crammed together really tightly. Cause a lot of those, you can like sit sort of sideways, put the pillow up against your, uh, up against a wall and you can just lean your head against it and sleep. So even if you are an economy, it is possible to get some sleep. And then when you wake up the next morning, it, it will be very hard to have any jet lag because as you said, you get there the next morning and it seems like just a normal day has passed. Right. For sure. Um, all right, let's all right. look at the next topic here. The next little thing we're going to be uh, talking about. So the pandemic right now, airlines are retiring more aircraft than ever. They're laying off thousands of employees. Um, so even if for all of the reasons that we've previously stated, if those weren't a factor and companies were thinking of bringing back the Concorde, 
the pandemic got rid of any of those dreams. I doubt after this, you're ever going to see a Concord. Or if you are, it's not going to be for the next maybe half century or so. For sure. Uh, the airline industry has struggled and we have an episode about this. It's a few episodes back. I think it might be like number six or something. Uh, it's very interesting. You guys should check that out. But we, we spoke about this and it might take up to four years just for us to get back to our normal stage. And uh, that's just a crazy number right there. And if we want to make enough to actually start bringing back new planes, it's just, it's a long process. It's, it's just not realistic right now. Yeah. And we said that before 9-11 sort of got rid of the Concorde, it killed the Concorde. Um, what we're going through right now, the pandemic on the aviation industry, it's like 9-11 times 10. That is the impact that the pandemic has had on the airline industry. So it is going to completely destroy the industry. And so instead of having fancy aircraft like the Concorde, they're going to want much more fuel efficient aircraft. Um, well, and I think the major reason, the biggest reason that we'll never see a Concorde again is the airlines, they just don't want it. Um, like, what is the point of having a Concorde when you can pack fewer people in? Um, you spend so much more money. There's so many laws and regulations that you have to follow. It's honestly just not worth it to fly a Concorde. It is so much easier just to fly a regular aircraft. And especially as we were talking about before, the, uh, the extremely efficient aircraft, those are so much easier to, um, to run. They're so much cheaper to run. And they're cheaper to crew as well because uh, it takes a lot less uh, training for a pilot to learn how to fly a regular commercial aircraft than a supersonic one because that requires a lot and a lot of training. For sure. And it's to buy a supersonic plane, it's just a loss for an airliner. It's not, yeah, okay, you might have a little, if it's not even about half your passengers. You can have much more comfortable passengers on a, a regular plane. And pilots, it's just, it's, it's strategized. Our whole airline system is strategized across the Atlantic ocean in seven to eight hours, not three. And it's, it's just, it, it will throw people off completely. And they might be hesitant after what they saw a couple decades ago. Yeah, for sure. And, um, well, uh, I, I think that the only way you're ever going to see a Concorde is maybe from a museum flight, maybe, um, bringing up, uh, an old retired Concorde just for um, uh, just for like publicity, maybe a publicity stunt, but you're never ever going to see regular service Concords, like scheduled Concord flights. For sure. Um, so Flight Corporal Paul, you um, said that... You right, something I found out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, something I noticed a like a little bit ago, right before we started, um, was that this company called Boom and some airliner seems to be trying to make their own supersonic airliner for whatever reason. Um, it's supposed to be called the, the XB-1. Um, they seem to be trying to bring back supersonic flight in the middle of a pandemic. Its first flight is planned to happen in 2021. Um I don't know, I figured I should mention this. It seems, I have no idea what these guys are doing. Seriously, it is strange. Um, May I ask, 
Is it a manufacturer or an airliner? Um, I think it, I'm pretty sure it's a manufacturer. Okay, that's what I thought. I could it, be wrong though. I mean, if um, it's an airliner, the manufacturer, if that, if if he's strict, he, I hope he has a plan B. To be honest, because although I wish him luck, it's, it's, it's I mean, it could we we might see another rise in supersonic planes, but from my opinion, from what I've seen, I don't find it likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. For all of the reasons we just stated, especially that he's trying to start it during the pandemic, it might work for maybe a few years because people will be really interested in it. They'll be booking flights on only it just because they want to have the, the cool experience of flying uh, faster than sound. But I think after a while, the novelty is going to wear off and airlines are going to realize that it's a very horrible idea and it's a very inefficient aircraft to fly. For sure. Maybe after 30 years, technology yeah, has probably. developed, but we'll have to wait and see. I hope I actually kind of, I'm interested to see it, but. Yeah, so am I. But I think the only way that it would actually be a success is like you said, after maybe a couple of decades. And if they invent a technology that can make supersonic aircraft, um, a lot more efficient. Maybe we'll um, come up with an electric supersonic plane. I would go for that. That, that would be impressive to see. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. probably not going to happen in our lifetime, though, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, that about brings us to the end of our time for tonight. So um, just before we go, we want to talk about the sponsors for these episodes. This podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Right now, we are unable to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. So instead, we made a Squadron Cookbook. All three of us are members of the Cookbook Committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes from almost every cadet, officer, and member staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Thank you, Flight Corporal Paul. We are even closer to having our pre-sale ready, and books will be available very soon on the squadron website so we really yes. encourage you to buy a copy that is also true yeah and um it, it's more than just a cookbook it tells a whole story about uh our cadet organization about our squadron uh and you'll be helping one of the best organizations for youth in canada so i would highly recommend you pick one up if not the best <laughs> yeah if not the best i i just figured it'd be you know a little um um, a little arrogant to say the best. So, oh no, for sure. There's plenty of other good ones, but we're one of the largest in Canada. So, yeah. Um, well, with that said, that is all of our time for tonight. We want to thank you again for listening to the AF Geeks podcast, and we will see you next time. See you on the next one. Have a good one.